Hello and welcome to Charity Chat. I'm your host, Rachel Conroy. We sat down with Hannah Akit, strategist at the social impact agency Raw London, to discuss her predictions on some of the fundraising trends for the year ahead. Unfortunately, societal uncertainty and instability is often a huge obstacle for charities. Despite the donor giving trend being down, there are still ways that we can be thinking strategically to help with income generation. Hannah gives some practical tips on a range of channels that charities of all sizes can adopt. You'll learn more about content creation, making social algorithms work for you, ideas around fundraising products with choice, as well as some thoughts on campaigns with gamers and on TikTok. This episode of Charity Chat has been brought to you by our platinum sponsor, Work for Good. Work for Good is a fundraising platform helping businesses raise funds for charities through their sales. The platform makes the legal agreement needed for businesses to fundraise themselves quick and simple, saving charities time and resource and enabling them to raise more unrestricted income. Pop to www.workforgood.co.uk to learn more and book a free demo. So here is Hannah. So I'm very happy today to be joined by Hannah Akit, strategist at Raw London, to talk about the fundraising trends for 2023. Um, how are you today, Hannah? I'm very good. Thanks, Rachel. How are you? Yeah, good. Thank you. Uh, for the listeners, we're, we're recording this on the, the second week of January, but for some yes. some uh, some people, it might be your first week back. So we were just talking about um, getting back into the swing of things after a after yeah. little break. Trying to we? remember what work was and... <laughs> And burning off all of the pigs in blankets with <laughs> with very intense meetings. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah, the brain brain power to burn off uh, burn off the Christmas calories. I think that sounds like a good exactly. plan. Uh, well, lovely to have you here, Hannah. So, um, if you don't mind, could we start by hearing a bit more about your background and what led you to your current role as a strategist at Royal London? Yeah, sure. So I have been in the sector now for coming up to nine years, which is crazy. Um, obviously not as long as many of the uh, the old timers in the charity sector, but um, yeah, I just can't believe it's been quite that long. And I guess my uh, journey with the third sector started whilst I was at uni. So I was quite active in the RAG, the Raise and Give Society at uni. Um, it's kind of where I found my people at uni. I struggled a little bit because um, I came from like a really small town in the Lake District and I went to Leeds, which isn't the biggest city, but very like metropolitan compared to where I'd come from. Um, and I guess, yeah, it's just where I found the people who wanted to kind of support positive change um, and just cared about the same kind of things that I did. Um, so I worked on a range of different fundraising events there, um, got my first taste of bucket shaking and um yeah managing groups of people on like fundraising tracks and stuff like that which I really loved and it was such a great experience and I think it kind of I got the chance to work with a few different charities as well in a sort of voluntary fashion so yeah it really opened my eyes into what that sector could look like as a career after uni um because I kind of I didn't really have an idea what I wanted to do so it sort of opened that up for me um and then when I finished uni uh, in my last year I applied for the charity works graduate scheme um, so I was lucky enough to be accepted and I got a place with a social care organization called Avenues. 
and I worked there for almost a year and a half. Um, I was popped into the marketing and comms team there just because my background was in English and languages. Um, so it's a good fit for me. And at the time, the team was two of us. So it was literally me who was fresh out of uni with no kind of real world office work experience and the um, head of business development. <laughs> so it was baptism by fire. <laughs> um, but I learned so much and yeah, really cherish the time I spent there. Um, and then eventually made my way to the British Heart Foundation. Um, I wanted to work at a bigger charity and a job came up in the challenge events team there and it combined working on the events as well as doing the marketing for the events and supporting people to fundraise. Um, so I had a great time there. I got to do some amazing things like trek to Machu Picchu um, and cheer on runners at the London Marathon. And I really loved events, but after a couple of years cycles of the events and sort of getting to see what some of my other colleagues were doing in the marketing comms and fundraising teams at BHF. Um, I decided that I really wanted to kind of branch out and work in individual giving more widely and especially on creative marketing campaigns. Um, so then I moved to VSO where eventually I became the acquisition manager and managed a team of two. Um, and we basically built the portfolio there up from pretty much nothing. When I joined, we weren't doing, we didn't have any activity live. We weren't recruiting any new donors. Um, so it was a really amazing experience to go in and, and strategically look at, you know, where we should be investing any budget. We worked on developing a new fundraising proposition. Um, and then when I left, we had, um, you know, a small but sustainable portfolio across a few different channels like digital, door to door and phone. So, um, yeah, that's kind of where I really cut my teeth in the fundraising industry and kind of self-taught, I guess, just built built up from scratch, which was amazing. And I learned a lot, made a lot of mistakes, <laughs> which is very important. Um, and then, yeah, finally, um, I actually came across Raw um, because of some of their events, Relay. Um, which we've welcomed you up before. Yes, Rachel, we have. Yeah. Um, yeah, they happen every quarter, if anyone's interested. Um, and um, I just loved what they do. They're a social impact agency. Um, we've got B Corp status and a brilliant track record in delivering innovative groundbreaking charity campaigns, especially in the DRTV and integrated campaign space, which is what I'd always been really interested in. And having worked with quite a few agencies throughout my career, um, I'd always been really interested to see what it was like working on the agency side. I always thought it was like really shiny and exciting. Um, newsflash, it isn't as shiny and exciting as it looks, but it is great fun. It's really interesting. It's so varied and yeah, you get to work with lots of different clients and on amazing projects. So my role now is to help charities shape their campaigns and products by developing strategic frame frameworks, which then get turned into beautiful creative that's all grounded in insight. So help charities a lot with their research and analysis, looking at their portfolios, looking at their previous campaigns and shaping what the future will look like to help them raise more funds. Uh, well, that was really interesting, Hannah. And I think uh, your nine years definitely put you in good stead to be a, a bit of an expert on the topic um, we're going to discuss today. And and yeah, as you said, um, the I, I'm not just saying this, and I have I have spoken and been to the really events that Raw Run. They are fantastic um, and totally and, free. Yes, oh, and totally free, Hannah. Yeah, and um, and the team are just so welcoming welcoming over there so yeah any any listeners who want to do some serious learning um I think it's a great opportunity for you so yeah do take a look at those so uh moving on to the kind of crux of of the topic we're going to discuss today what did the last few months of 2022 show for the landscape of the charity sector 
it's a bit of a year wasn't it again <laughs> um i won't go into all the big events challenges and crises that we faced last year because i'm sure everyone's very aware of what's been going on um but um i guess what all of these things have really led to is a perfect storm for charities um you know we've got rising running costs a heightened demand for services a reduction in people giving um i think generally societal uncertainty or instability is a huge and impossible obstacle for charities it just makes everybody clam up and hibernate and wallets are the first thing to kind of slam shut um during those times so if you are experiencing challenges with your fundraising um we're with you it's it's normal and there's ways around it um and yeah i saw recently that CAF um released a, a press statement to say that four million fewer people gave to charity in november 2022 which is obviously really concerning um and just yeah we've been following the trends in in people giving donor behavior um and we are that like, we've been seeing a general downward trend in the number of giving overall for the past few years now um but there are positive signs as well we are seeing people remaining committed to their regular gifts um we're seeing a really high donor intent as people sort of look to support their local communities and get involved with what's going on um so yeah the trend is still down i think it's a challenge for a lot of charities but um i think that if you're doing everything right and you're kind of really looking strategically at your portfolio which i'll come on to in a minute um there's still ways that you can achieve like really good success even in a challenging climate so i suppose um what we saw a lot of charities doing at the back end of 2022 is um launching cost of living emergency appeals um and then other charities showed real signs of scaling back as well, which is quite normal, like I said, when there's uncertainty, but it's not always the wisest approach. I think looking back at the pandemic and previous recessions, history shown that those who are brave enough to continue running brand or fundraising campaigns through recessions or crisis tend to come out faster and stronger of the other side. Um, and then we also saw some charities being really bold. And I think especially those with strong campaigning arms, like shelter for instance um ran ama an amazing reactive um campaign to do with the cost of living crisis um and we're seeing them launch bigger uh, integrated awareness and fundraising campaigns and it's helping them get ahead of those issues and really rally support um and that kind of balance between proactive and reactive campaign planning is something that's we've been talking about quite a lot recently as an agency and with quite a lot of our clients, especially when we're looking at kind of fundraising portfolios as a whole. And I think if you do have the resource and ability to look at reactive campaigns, um, then it's a great idea because it will really keep your content as relevant and timely as it can be. Everything's changing so fast, not just kind of the wider context and environment that we're all living in, but the way that we communicate as well with social channels and um and the media kind of appetite is just so quick turnaround nowadays that i think we know that we want to be relevant and timely in order to engage audiences especially those with donor fatigue so it's definitely something that you should be thinking about if you have the resource to do it um and then finally the other thing that we were seeing towards the back end of last year is a lot of charities starting to divest or pause any kind of development or innovation activity which is a shame but totally understandable because um when times get tough people tend to channel their investment into low risk areas which um is totally fine and and i think if you're looking at that strategically then you know that's a decision that you guys may be forced to make by <laughs> powers that be um 
but if possible i think it's always good still to be looking at what you know what you can be doing in those areas especially if there's low-hanging fruit on the line yeah definitely hannah and there's so much stuff that i think our listeners can take but one bit from that that really stood out for me was those charities that decide to scale back in these Mm. times versus those that don't and what that means kind of when you're coming quote unquote out the other end and I think a lot of our listeners will be having those tough budgetary conversations with their board so to have more kind of you know more opinions and more evidence that shows that actually scaling back will do the worst damage long term uh, rather than investing a little bit more than they might be getting in return just to kind of sustain at this moment I think that's really important and something that a lot of our listeners will will want to take away and like I said have those discussions with with senior leaders and board members who are who are holding the purse strings as it were so yeah there's some obviously a lot of these trends that you spoke about back end of 2022 are going to continue into 2013 but what else do you think will be the key trends for the sector in 2023 Yeah, so I guess linked to what I just said, I think we could see a trend in moving away from trends. I was thinking about this long and hard and I was like, just with, I think over the past sort of five years, like I said, as everything's been developing at such a quick rate and there's so many more channels available and open to charities now, we see a lot of people jumping on bandwagons and what we call fast following. So one charity will do something and then everybody else thinks that's a great idea. It worked really well for them. So I'm going to give it a go. Um, But because of the environment that we're all in, I think we might see a bit of a trend of charities moving away from that Um, and looking at more risk averse spending strategies for the year ahead. Um, So I think what we might see is people focusing on strengthening their portfolios where return is highest, um, building up their established channels like regular giving programs, digital and DRTV mad that now in, I mean, 2023, we're talking about digital being like an established channel. And, you know, five to eight years ago, we were talking about that as a totally new thing for charities and now it's so embedded. So, um, but yeah, I think that's probably what we'll see the bulk of, charities doing especially those who are being asked to tighten the purse strings um so yeah for those who are being asked to squeeze their budgets for 2023 and take a strategic look at their portfolio one area that i would kind of link to what we were saying before about not scaling back and cutting back completely one area that i think is often wrongly cut during difficult times is content creation um all of the major digital platforms that we're working on now have algorithms that favor new content and that's becoming you know facebook is increasingly becoming a pay-to-play platform and it's so expensive so if you're just using the same thing over and over again the algorithms will be working against you and you're not going to be seeing the roi and engagement that you're hoping for so that's just one area that i would really love to see charities continue to invest in in 2023 because i hate to see good media budget going to waste (laughs) um oh god sorry hannah no, I was just going to say, I think that's a really good point. And we know a lot of our, a lot of our listeners come from kind of all over the sector mm. um, and, you know, some of some from smaller organisations as well. Um, so I think they won't be as kind of they won't have a digital expert potentially. So for them to hear that actually how to make the algorithms work in their favour and not against them is is really important as well. Yeah, I think there's ways that you can, you know, look at creating low cost content you can look at UGC um you can look at repurposing imagery and things like that and and maybe video that you have on archive but make sure that your content is relevant timely and that it's fresh um otherwise you're just gonna you're just gonna see your campaigns fall flat unfortunately um another uh trend that's been a bit of a hot topic uh 
um, over the last few years, actually, um, but I think has been fairly slow to market just because it's more difficult for um, small and medium charities to achieve is um, fundraising products to give the donor more choice, flexibility and transparency. I think a lot more charities are going to be looking at moving into this space over the next few years because of the context that we're in. People will really want to have products that retain and uh, attract new regular givers. And I think that this is an area in which charities could could see success in that. So I think we might start to see people following the footsteps of some of the the giants like um, Charity Water, who kind of pioneered this kind of giving. Um, and Save the Children also, also recently launched a product called True Impact. I don't know if you've seen it. It's, um, it's really cool. You get a personalised report about when and where your donation is being used, even like as little as £5, um, which is really cool. It's a great concept. And I'd really love to see more charities investing into tech like this as it becomes more accessible, um, because I think that it's a really great way to to work on that regular giving file to plug that leaky bucket and attract new donors who are maybe more skeptical during this like difficult time. Yeah, I think um, that's great, Hannah. And yeah, I think I not I'm probably not alone in the sector. A lot of people number one question is, well, where is my money going? Yeah. And if you have that kind of resource to show directly, I think as you said, it, it can only mean good things for kind of retention and stewardship of those givers as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um I think it doesn't need to be as complicated as it sounds either. I think f for your kind of first like minimal vi minimum viable product, sorry, you could be looking at really simple updates. Um, WhatsApp's a really great tool as well. Um, and obviously that opens up opportunities for the longer supporter journey. So yeah, I think don't be scared to try these things. I think I think they sound really scary because people are like, oh my gosh, the content that we'll have to create for that. Oh my gosh, the kind of upkeep on something like that. But, you know, take the time to look into it because I think there are ways to do it more easily than we think, especially with the tech that's available to us now. Yeah, and I think WhatsApp's a great shout. Like open rates on SMS and WhatsApp, we know is so much higher than email. Yeah. Um, so if you can invest in that kind of mass capability to contact and, and have that, and yeah, I think that's a really good tip for people out there. Um, I guess another trend to watch out for um, is gaming and streaming. I'm actually, I'm, I feel like I've spoken about this so much in the past couple of years and I'm learning so much about it. I'm not a gamer or a streamer, um, but the market is continuing to grow and grow. Um, more and more charities are looking to carve out a space for themselves in this area. So. What we're seeing is a lot of charities now at a place where they've maybe launched their initial gaming and streaming activity or it's kind of organically happened for them. You know, big streamers or gamers or just their supporters in general have started to fundraise for them in this way. And so now they're at a place where they're like, right, we can see there's something here. There's an opportunity here. What do we do to make it a sustainable and high income earning channel? Um, and I think the key thing here that charities need to watch is differentiation because so many people are doing similar things in this area. And um, and one of the key ways you can do that is by keeping your course front and center. I think when you look into audience research and you look at the kind of gaming and streaming community as a whole, yes, it's very niche or can be very niche. It's also incredibly varied and no one gamer is the same. Um, but the thing that they, will have in common if they're wanting to fundraise for you is a passion for your cause. Um, so I think that 
that is a really important thing when you're looking at developing your product you know don't shy away from talking about who you guys are and what the impact is that these gamers and streamers are going to have for you by fundraising um and i think that it's important to do that more so than focusing on like snazzy gaming visuals or trying to make things cool for gamers because they're very independent and capable and they're like proper digital natives so um you don't need to worry too much about that kind of let them do their own thing just give them the tools they need to speak about your cause with passion and um yeah engage their audiences and communities in that um and i guess yeah the other really interesting thing about this market is that it's dominated by those professional streamers. So they raise the bulk of income for charities. And we've worked with a charity recently and looking at their um, their kind of organic or first year performance of their campaign, I think 1% of the people who took part in a game, fundraising game for them, were these big fish, these like high value, um, what's the word, like almost influencer streamers. Um, and then they raised like 90% of the income because they have these huge communities and followings already. Um, so I think it's really important if charities are looking into this space that they consider their products from both a mass participation audience point of view, but also look at that streamer influencer engagement piece, because that will really help you reach your income targets and wider audiences. Yeah, if you're thinking about it in the more traditional sense, they're almost your major, your major donors, aren't they? Exactly. In terms of that kind of yeah, audience differentiation as well. Yeah, and they'll need different things, different levels of input from you, um, and they'll need that kind of personalised journey, whereas your mass participation audience, they might need more in terms of resources, um, you know, downloadables and how-tos and things like that, but they maybe don't need quite as much of like a one-on-one -on -one relationship with the charity. So yeah, I think it's really important to consider both angles. Um, and then my final trendy thing that I wanted to talk about <laughs> um, is kind of social, like just the world of social and especially TikTok. Um, it's being dubbed the new Google. Um, it is just absolutely eclipsing a lot of our, oh, it's, it's so funny, but traditional social channels <laughs> like Facebook. Um, and there are some amazing charity TikTok accounts out there um, that we've been keeping an eye on and who inspire a lot of our work. Um, we really love what British Red Cross are doing, Battersea and Shelter. They've all got really great accounts and they've built quite a following. Um, and we really love what RNLI is doing as well. So um, what they do that we really love is use um, video to show the behind the scenes of their rescues. So they kind of promote their cause and the need through the channel, as well as giving supporters a direct connection with rescue teams. Um, so it's educational, but it also makes them feel part of the charities every day. And we think it's a really great example of how you can leverage social channels to promote your cause and need and do it in a really authentic way which is one of the most important things when you're looking at new social channels amazing thanks hannah well you you've definitely gone through as you've been kind of talking about these trends slash maybe not trends <laughs> for, for the coming year but is there anything else you can think of that um, charities can do to best capitalize on some of these i think the number one rule and thing that i just beg everyone to start with is looking at your audiences and understanding them um, and this will really help you to consider whether a trend is right for you to follow um, if you're looking to target new audiences start by really understanding them and if it's a trend that might impact your current audience make sure you think about how it fits with what you know about them as well so things i'd recommend you do is look at the content they engage with what kind of value can you offer to their lives 
How does your cause align with their motivations and things that they're engaging with? Um, and how can you make your products and communications more relevant to them and the wider zeitgeist? Because that will really help you gain market share. Um, we do, as an agency, always recommend investing in research if you can. Um, but we know that this isn't available to absolutely everybody. Um, so just take some time. Um, look at your own data and reporting. Speak to your audiences um, and try and gain some insight into what they like or want. Um, just make sure that if you're engaging with trends, you're doing it for the right reasons and do it with authenticity. Just because everybody else is making funny dance videos on TikTok doesn't mean it's right for your cause or audience. And I think, you know, those examples I gave of people who are doing TikTok right are people who have found a way to authentically engage with it and create content that doesn't feel tongue in cheek um, or cringy at worst. Um, you know, they found a way to engage audiences with stuff that's really relevant to them. and. Um, <laughs> And it's doing really well um but yeah don't be afraid to try new things either i would say um you can put a small amount of budget time and resource into testing things um but doing some initial research and scoping is um definitely the first step before you go whole hog great thanks hannah and then a final question for us um today so we've touched on some of the spaces that you know gen z are in obviously tiktok and gaming and streaming is the big place for them there's there's a lot of talk about you know engaging these audiences and i think from kind of my perspective there's a there's a lot of engagement but maybe not that doesn't always translate into them becoming donors or fundraisers mm -hmm. um do you have any tips for how charities might be able to get this younger generation on on board as as donors for their causes if only there was a magic answer to this <laughs> i think my top tip is to be patient um <laughs> be patient and be curious um again it's all about understanding this audience um it's all about authenticity and it's all about relationship building um and i think that people need to be looking at gen z in two ways so there's who they are currently um but also our future regular giving portfolio we know what we know about Gen Z from a lot of reports that are out at the moment. I highly recommend going and having a look at some because there's some really interesting ones into kind of what their donor intent is, but also kind of the, the causes and things that they're passionate in. Um, they're really generous um, and they're very tech savvy and they want to change the world and they expect brands to be on board with that and doing all the right things. Um, in fact, I love this. that Some people are referring to Gen Z as philanthropy routines now, which I love. <laughs> It's so much better than like self-obsessed bougie millennial. <laughs> I want to be a philanthropist. Um, but yeah, my, my advice really is to just engage authentically with young people. So lots of charities that we work with have youth advisory boards. And in fact, we've worked on projects with quite a few and it can lead to really amazing results because co-production means that authenticity is embedded throughout. We actually just worked on a really cool project with Samaritans um, and it was it's all about posting resources for staying safe online um, and it's around, um, you know, topics of suicide and self-harm. And we worked with a youth advisory group all the way through that and they helped us create the content, they helped us shape the strategy, they fed back at every stage and I mean, I haven't seen the results yet, but the content Content that we created together was amazing and the feedback from the youth advisory group was was really great so i think that if you can do that that's a really great place to start but it's not just about marketing tactics at the acquisition stage i would say for gen z if you're looking to recruit long-term prospects and turn them into your donor portfolio then i think you need to consider the whole journey so 
like I said, it's going to take patience. It might take a few years for us to convert a Gen Zer into a regular giver. So what journey are you going to take them on between now and then? And um, and I think keeping a really close eye on on them and the insight you have about that audience as you go is really important. Because if you think about like where you were when you were 18 and the generation that you know has grown up as millennials we're in such a different place now and i know that that's quite a long time but gen z are going to go through exactly the same changes life changes and you need to be kind of up to date with what they're engaging with and what what's important to them um and it's likely that they're going to want to engage differently from your other audiences your traditional audiences um so yeah do some digging and make sure that you've got the infrastructure in place to keep that insight coming and keep them engaged brilliant well hannah um I think we could talk forever on this. I think there's some (laughs) amazing tips, though, that um, our audience could take away. So, yeah, it's just left for me to say thank you for your time and and for sharing all your knowledge with our listeners. It's my absolute pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. And, yeah, for anyone who wants to hear hear more from us, um, we have a newsletter um, that you can sign up to on our website, um, which is um, raw.london. Um, and you'll also get invites to our free events like Relay, which we mentioned earlier. Um, and please, yeah, if you have anything you want to chat about, any challenges or projects you've got coming up, like feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn or you can email the team at hello at raw.london. Amazing. Thanks so much, Hannah. Thank you Bye. so much. Have a great time.